Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Parsha Sheer. Once again, I'm not live. I'm away at the moment, but we're going to be going over it virtually. This week's Parsha's Parsha's Ve'era. We're going to jump right into the Psukim. Source number one, we have Shemos Perches. And we get up to the plague of Arov, Dever, Shechin. And time after time, we find this concept of either Paro hardening his heart and saying, no, I'm not letting the Jews go, or Hashem hardening Paro's heart and forcing him, no, you cannot let the Jews go. And time and time again, the Pasuk makes sure to point out exactly what the mechanics were, exactly how it worked. Did Paro harden his own heart? Was it Hashem who hardened his heart? And I want to take a look at the Pesukim inside because it has has a very, very powerful lesson that it is here to teach us. And I want to bring out that lesson. We're going to get into the power of habit this week and what true freedom means. We're going to get into the neuroscience of decision making, a lot of exciting stuff. Super excited. Let's dive in. So we have source number one, Paraches, Pasachavches, Vayas Hashem Kidvar Moshe, Vayasar Arav Miparo, that Hashem does like Moshe says, and after bringing in this mixed group of animals, snakes, bears, pumas, hyenas, cheetahs, all of the above, right? There's mixed wild animals, they're attacking the Egyptians, and Hashem, Moshe, Davins to Hashem, please Hashem, remove the Arav. Hashem removes the Arav from Paro, Me'avadavu, Me'ama, Lonishar Echad, not one was left. Over. Paro es libo, and Paro hardens his own heart. So over here we find that Paro is hardening his own heart by the plague of Arav. Now let's jump to Parak Tes, Pasuk Vav, where we get up to the plague of Dever. Let's see what happens here. The entire uh, flock of Mitzrayim dies and from the flock of the Jewish people not one dies Paro sends messengers what cannot be that the Jewish people not one of their flock dies and behold boom not one of them have died in the land of Goshen where the Jews were living and the heart of Paro was hardened so over here we're having kind of a transition. By the first passage it says, Vayachbed Paro is libo, Paro hardened his own heart. Over here we're finding that Paro's heart was hardened, it seems like in between. Not necessarily did Hashem harden Paro's heart, but at the same time Paro didn't harden his own heart, his heart was just hardened. Now, we get up to the next play of Shechin. And let's see what happens here. Source number two, we have Paratest, Pasuk Yudbeiz, V'loyachlu achartumim labod v'tnei Moshe mitnei ha-Shechin. So we have the plague of Shechin. Ki haya ha-Shechin v'achartumim v'chol Mitzrayim. V'yichazik Hashem es lev paro Hashem hardens Paro's heart. Again, in Perak Yud, Pasuk Aleph, I have hardened Paro's heart, Hashem says, by, by the plague of Arbe. And the next plague as well, Basically, what we're finding is that from the sixth plague of boils of Shechin and on, Hashem is already hardening Paro's heart. It is no longer Paro hardening his own heart and deciding himself that I'm not going to let the Jewish people go. Already from the sixth plague and on, it's Hashem who has already decided. He has no no choice in the matter. He, there's no way he's going to be able to to break the the pattern that he's set until now. And now, no longer does he have free will. Now, harden his heart, and there's no way for him to allow the Jewish people to go free. And this obviously creates a massive 
philosophical question, which is that we know that Hashem gives us all free will, free choice to be able to make our own decisions. How could it be that Hashem has removed the free will of Paro from the sixth plague and on? Says the Rambam, source number three in Hilchas Tshuva, Paragvav, Halacha Gimel, it is possible for a person to mess up so badly and to sin so badly until he has to give din. That since he did it out of his own volition and his own free will, and time and time again he has messed up, it's possible to get to a place where you're withheld from doing tshuva, meaning that tshuva is no longer possible. It's no longer a possibility from you. It is removed from you. That is why Hashem, sorry, I skipped, going back. And no longer do you have the permission to, to do tshuva and to come back from your state of wickedness in order that you actually die and you get lost in the sins and the mess ups that you have done meaning it is possible to get to a level where you mess up time and time again so badly where you have now so to speak crossed the Rubicon you have reached the point of no return and you are no longer in a position where you can choose freely and overcome and do tshuva on a specific that you have done. This is why the Torah says, I will harden the heart of power. Because he messed up with the Jewish people and he did so much wrong and evil and pain on the Jewish people. So the din made a decision that we are going to withhold tshuva from him. That is why Hashem hardened power hearts so then why was he sending Moshe and saying warn Paro the reason was so that everybody should know that Hashem was withholding Tshuva from Paro and that he is no longer at the point where he can return Nimtes Omer Shelo Gazara El there are very rare circumstances, but in all these circumstances, like Paro, Sichon, the Kananim, and the Jewish people at a certain point when they were worshipping Avodah Zarah, they reached the point of no return. There was no longer a possibility for them to do tshuva. And the Rambam holds. This is a massive novelty, huge chiddush, that a person can reach the point where he can no longer do tshuva in his life and free will is removed from him. He no longer has the ability to overcome his desire and to and to do tshuva. The Sephorno however, learns the polar opposite. And this is fascinating. Source number four. Because Hashem wants the tshuva of Rishayim. Right? He's saying the opposite. No, no, no. Hashem doesn't remove tshuva from Rishayim. On the contrary, Hashem wants the tshuva of Rishayim and not their deaths. And he quotes a pasuk. By my life, says Hashem, do I want the death of a Rasha? God forbid. I want the Russia, even the wicked person, to return from his wicked ways and to live. Amar Shayirba es Ososa ves Mosa ves Zela Hashev es Amitzerim lechuva. 
Um, so therefore, Hashem increased his, the amazing wonders that he did. And all of that, all these miracles that Hashem was doing was to shake up the Egyptians to wake them up so that they can return Bichuva. That was the purpose of these ten plagues, not only for the Jews, but also for the Mitzvah to wake them up to do Tshuva to make known Hashem's amazing wonders. So that the Jewish people, they would fear through the Ososumovsim, the Egyptians would recognize, and then the, the Jews would also come to fear Hashem. And says the Sephorno, that what was the whole point? What, what do you mean? Okay, Hashem wants the tshuva of Hashem, so then why is he hardening Paro's heart? What is the meaning and the significance of hardening Paro's heart if he really wanted their tshuva? Ah, so says the Sephorno, that because if Hashem had not hardened Paro, his heart. So then Paro would have sent them out. Not because they want, uh, Paro wanted to humble himself to Hashem and now he was in a place of humility. No, no, no. That he felt bad from rebelling against Hashem. No, that's not why he did it. The reason why Paro would have for sure gave in and let the Bnei Yisrael free was because he couldn't withstand the pain of the plagues. And that would have not been a tshuva at all. Meaning that had Hashem not hardened Paro's heart, so then what would have happened? It would have been a blowout, right? For sure, Paro's in so much pain and suffering from the plagues, he would have for sure let them go, and it wouldn't have been a complete tshuva. But if Paro wanted to do a real tshuva and to really humble himself before Hashem, this is why Hashem said, I am going to harden Paro's heart. She is Amit, because that is going to give him the endurance to withstand the makos, the pain and suffering of the plagues. And he's not going to send them out because of the fear of the plagues. Because this is going to give them the opportunity to return in a complete tshuva. So the reason why Hashem hardened Paro's heart, according to the Sephorno, is because had he not, then Paro would have for sure gave in and let the Bnei Yisrael free and it would not have been a tshuva. Hashem hardened Paro's heart to give him the opportunity to do real tshuva. So the Rambam and the Sephorno here are really complete opposites. The Rambam is saying that Hashem hardened Paro's heart in order to remove tshuva for him from, from Paro. The Sephorno is saying, no, Hashem hardened Paro's heart in order to give him the opportunity to do a real tshuva. And so that it shouldn't just be letting them free because of the pain and suffering. Pretty phenomenal. We have on both sides of the spectrum that Paro is losing his his free will. And the question is that what's the intention behind it? Is Hashem trying to remove Paro's ability to do tshuva? Or is Hashem trying to give Paro the opportunity to do tshuva? I'm just going to... Yeah, we'll leave that for aside. So we find that according to both, 
a person's free will is really on the spectrum. And now I want to talk about coming off there, springing, springboarding off there, the power of habit and what happens when a person does something over and over again and really focus on where the Rambam's coming from, that a person can lose his ability to do tshuva. How can that even be fair? Shouldn't Hashem want to give somebody the opportunity to do tshuva? And hopefully through this, we're going to get a much more clear understanding of both the Rambam and the Sephorno. Stick with me. So we have over here the Pasuk in Mishle. So now we're getting into the power, power of habit. We are going to be swiveling here to talking about habit. And then we're going to swivel back and bring it all in, how it ties into Paro, and finish off with a super powerful takeaway that will hopefully change everybody's life for the better. So we have the Pasuk in Mishle. says, Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon says, Palis Magal Raglecha, which means straighten. Magal is the circles, which is the circuit of your feet. The Kol and if you straighten the circle, the, the circles of your feet, meaning where you're walking, where you're going, what your actions are, all of your ways will be set and fixed. You can fix all of your ways in life through fixing your actions, is basically what Shlomo HaMelech is saying. What exactly does that mean? Says Rav Yitzchak Isaac Sher, who was the Rosh Hashiva of Slabatra, and this is in his introduction to Sefer Cheshman HaNefesh, one of my favorite Sefarim, Sefer Cheshman HaNefesh, written by Rav Mendel Levine. And he basically says here, Rav Yitzchak Isaac Sher, he says that this whole Sefer is really talking about how a person can fix their habits in life. And he says, Ikar Hasheni, this is source number seven, Ikar Hasheni, the second main thing, main principle that a person should know, Hu Hadas Bimehus Shilton Hahergel, that a person should know what, how important, hergel, a person's power of habit is. Because we learned from our holy rabbi, how great and powerful the power of habit is. He says that a person is made a slave of, of his habit. Uh, the, the bonds, the chains of his habit, that it enslaves a person into, into its grasp. Uh, and he gets entrapped, ensnared in the, in the chains of, of whatever his habits are, meaning a person is basically trapped in the trappings of whatever his habits are. If a person has good habits, then he's going to be entrapped in good hanhagos and doing good actions if a person's unfortunately has bad habits so then he's going to be entrapped in those bad habits just like when a person is used to eating a lot of sugar so now he's entrapped in that that sugar cravings or smoking or waking up late or not having kavana and davening right the more times you do it the more you get ensnared and trapped in that and it becomes more and more difficult to pull out of it and somebody who does an avera regularly of the Hatikva, he has lost hope. that he can return to away from that Avera. And he, the Chazaka is that he's going to transgress over that, over that Avera in the future as well. And he brings a proof from Kedushin that the Gemara in Kedushin says that Hashem normally he doesn't count a person's machshava, a person's thought, his intention to do a bad action. Hashem doesn't count that as an as a as an Avera, as a negative deed. But once a person does an Avera and then he repeats over that Avera, meaning that he does it over and over and over again, 
then Hashem does count it as, as an improper action, meaning that if a person, let's say, he goes somewhere where he shouldn't be going. If a person goes to to the club at nighttime, right, and he does it just once. So then, if and sorry, if a person only has the intention, and then his plans got messed up for the night, and and he wasn't able to go that night, right? So normally Hashem would not count his bad intentions as the ma'aseh. But if a person does it regularly, every single month, Shabbos, Saturday night, that's where he's going. So then after he does it a number of times, so already Hashem counts his thought process. That already counts as the avera and Rashi. He says that even if he ends up not doing that actions, he doesn't end up at the club. He gets punished for the machshava because the because he's not returning to Hashem for the sake of heaven. The reason why he's returning is only because he doesn't need that anymore or something went wrong. It was not because it came from his own volition because his habits are what dictate the way that he acts. That don't cry over a dead person. You can weep from all you want, but he's not going to return back to you. The Gemara Moed Katan Chavzayin says that this is referring to this Pasuk in Yermia that says don't cry over a dead person because he's not going to return anymore. That's referring to... Uh, to the people in Yermia's time who were doing Averas time and time and time again, their habit was so entrenched uh, in doing Averas that there's almost no hope of them coming back and they're like a dead person who's not going to return to life. Also, they reveal to us the secret of the power of habit. That once a person does something over and over again, it becomes to him like something like something mutter, like something permitted. That in the beginning, it's difficult for a person to to do something, but once he does it over and over again, so then it becomes easier and easier for him to do this Avera. And on the flip side, it becomes easier and easier for a person to do a mitzvah as well. So the Rav Yitzchak Isaac Sher is talking over here about the power that habit has on a person and he basically breaks it into three steps. If you look at his introduction there, he says that we have a habitual action right? The, our actions, we do something over and over again. It could be simple as brushing your teeth or making your bed in the morning or going to the base medrash early in the morning, making your coffee. The more and more times you do something, we know that it becomes easier and easier for you to do an action. And we also have habitual desires that if a person, let's say he has sugar over and over again, so we develop these habits for desire. Same thing for, for women, right? The more a person looks at women or men on the flip side, depending if you're a man or woman, right? Right? The more you give into your temptation for the other sex, so then the more we develop a habit for that desire. And the same for habitual thought patterns, a person's machshavos, what's going on in their mind, that the more a person thinks in a certain way, the faster, we're going to get a little bit into the science of that, but the faster they're able to have those thought patterns, the more those thoughts are going to be popping into their mind, the more they're going to be thinking a certain way, right? That's what we're trying to do in yeshiva. We're trying to train our minds to think in a certain way, a shakla vitaya to really pull apart everything, every minute little technicality to show the importance of every little element of Torah. So what we're trying to do is, is develop these habitual thought patterns, and there's really these three different 
different steps of habits that a person can develop. And Rav Yitzchak Isaac Sher continues, and this is in source number eight. Says Rav Yitzchak Isaac Sher, he talks about that the whole goal of Musar is basically to free yourself from the chains of habit, meaning the the negative habits that you're that that are holding you back in life, and to use the power of habit in your favorite favor to correct all of your natural traits. And he talks about how changing your habits, right, from the negative things that you're doing, if you can get out of those instinctive habits and move into higher, more elevated habits that are going to draw you into your Havodah Hashem, that's ultimately what the goal of Musr is, to develop habits and ways of thinking and ways of... Uh, ways of acting that are going to draw you into Avodah Hashem and keep you saturated in divine consciousness. And he says that surely we have to educate ourselves in Musr so that we can strengthen our own habits. That's the first thing that we need to focus on. And to strengthen the power of our mind, our intellectual power. And our and our das, our consciousness, from what it is used to, in order to overcome our our habits. So that's what he says is basically the goal of Musr is to overcome the habits that we're doing regularly every single day, the way we're programmed. And through that, a person will be able to wrestle and to remove his intellect free from the chains of of habit that are holding him down in life. And then he can use the power of habit that can be a powerful tool but, um, through through uh, learning Moser in order to fix all of a person's character traits and 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 through that we will straighten and fix all of our ways in life. So the whole goal of Musar is to remove ourselves from using our using our free will and our our power to choose and our intellectual power that Hashem has given us to overcome our natural instincts, our natural behavior patterns that we're used to. And that's what Rav Yitzchak Eiser Sher is saying is the goal of Musar and the goal of Avodah Hashem is to ultimately remove ourselves from negative habits and to form positive habits in our lives. And just to get a little bit into the science of behavior patterns over here. So behavior patterns, basically the way that our mind works is that it's these electrical currents that are being sent and they're sending these action potentials to different parts of our body or within the mind to think about different things and certain ways and the more we use these neural pathways the more we use these electrical current connected connections within our mind the easier it becomes to use it and that's why if you've ever played piano or an instrument the first time right you're trying away and everything's very awkward you're very stiff and then fast forward three months of consistent practice and all of a sudden right you're flowing through the keys of the piano you're able to hit multiple keys at once one key to the next your mind isn't even really even thinking of anything and it's able to do it on its own because you formed these neural pathways and there is a sheath kind of like like around the wire you have a protective wrapper that builds around certain neural pathways in your mind called myelin and that basically forms a really efficient 
pathway around that way of thinking that helps you do behaviors and think more rapidly in a certain way and basically put your your habits into action so the way our habits structure is that the more our brain thinks in a certain way the more myelin we're building around that pathway and the more instinctively we're going to be able to, and rapidly we're going to be able to do those behaviors and our mind is going to automatically go back to our, those behaviors and go back to them so that's why for instance about uh, i was thinking back about a year ago i started trying to type up hebrew for the shiurim and in the beginning it was so difficult right as it looked like a like a pigeon like poking at the keys uh, you know the pigeons they eat so that's what it looked like when i was poking at the different keys i'm looking at each key trying to hit it uh, and it would take me hours to type up just the you know a simple few paragraphs uh, and now one year later uh, already i've been doing it so much that now i'm flowing through the keys i don't need the hebrew keys anymore my mind is automatically uh, knows where each thing is and it's amazing i'm like literally not thinking about the way I'm that I'm typing, which keys to hit, my mind is doing it instinctively, automatically, and so much more quickly, speedily, much more efficiently than the way it was doing before. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. And that just shows the power of habit when you do something over and over again. And this is the power of our decision making. The more often that we behave in a certain way, the harder it is to create a different pathway. Right. So it works both in our favor and against us. Right. And this is really a really powerful tool to use in our Vodas Hashem and becoming greater, higher moral people. The real powerful tool is knowing and harnessing the power of habit. Because the more we behave in a certain way, the harder it is to create a different pathway. And so to, to create a new habit, to perform a new habit, we need to do it consistently over an extended period of time. I believe scientists now say it takes a minimum of 60 days to develop a new habit properly where like you're doing it as second nature. Um, but Paro ultimately was slowly lost his free will. And he found it progressively more difficult at every single level, neuroscientifically, psychologically, politically. Paro, the more times he decided not to let the Bnei Yisrael go and not hum um, humble himself before, the more difficult it got for him to let the Bnei Yisrael free. And that's why the first five, sorry, the first four of the plagues, we find that Paro hardened his own heart. It was his own choice. I'm not going to let the Bnei Yisrael go. I'm going to make the wrong decision. Already at the fifth plague, it's already like a mix, right? It's not uh, fully coming from Paro's own volition because he's already stepped up to that transitory stage where now Hashem didn't harden his heart, but he didn't harden his own heart. And then already at the sixth plague and on, Hashem hardened Paro's heart, meaning he had no choice in the matter. The more we choose to do something, the more we're going to to be developing those neural pathways, the more difficult it is for us to break out of it. We shape our own habits by the choices that we have made. And the Rambam holds that Paro's heart was hardened even to the extent that he had zero free choice at that point to do the right thing. The only way to truly be free in life is by exercising your free will Otherwise, you're a slave to your habits, as we saw from Rav Yitzhak Isaac Sher. The same is true with every bad habit and decision that we make. Every time we fail to exercise our free will, our freedom diminishes. And we become ultimately less and less and less free, more and more and more slaves to our bad habits. Freedom is not given to us. We have to work for it. 
We can uh, lose it as Paro lost his. Drug addicts, workaholics, game, computer game addicts, they lose theirs. We're not born free. We have to work hard to achieve freedom by continuously exercising our free will um, and choosing our, the higher level morals that we want to live with. Yiddishkeit, Judaism, is an ongoing seminar of the willpower and willpower and impulse control. The mitzvos are they're they're shaped and and formulated in order to give us the power to liberate ourselves from the bonds of our impulses, of our yitz, uh, of our bad habits that want to bring us down. Shabbos has the power for to liberate us and our children not only from smartphone addiction but from the our regular mode of doing of of doing things. Shabbos is that time when we get to break free from our normal mode of being and now we're able to think higher kosher is exercising our free will and the way that we eat the mitzvah to guard our bodies gives us the wherewithal to limit our our food intake the mitzvah to guard our eyes also is exercising our free will in order to develop habits that focus us on our Avodah Hashem and our Kedusha. Right now is we're, we're in Shovavim when, when we're made to be working on our, on our Shmira Sainayim, on what we look at. And that goes not only for men, that also goes for women as well. And it also goes not only for actively looking at Pritas, but the kind of movies and the entertainment that we watch as well. Every mitzvah helps us control our impulses and align up our actions with Hashem. Freedom is a muscle that needs to be exercised. And in the words of Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, use it or lose it.